Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is Alan. I'm Josh. And we're here, and we're uh, we're ready to go. Um, I think today's November 7th, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I don't know about you all as listeners. And first off, um, just thank you guys for listening. Um, I was talking to someone this last week, maybe my dad or someone else. I can't remember. Um, but, you know, we put these episodes out and within a week you're gonna have about 30 listeners but within like two three four weeks i mean the numbers have increased um even up into the 80s um and it's crazy because if you like there's some churches that don't even have 80 people not that we're comparing it's just that's how awesome you all that listen to this and share this podcast are and i know you know we've been in this theology um discussion and i know the last couple weeks have um, been a couple different things, and there was a couple weeks or one week we didn't do it. Um, life's just busy right now, um, and, and it's crazy. I mean, you know, we're not paid to sit here every week and do this. You know, this is something that obviously God's given us to do, and we're going to try to be faithful and good stewards of it as we can. Um, but like, you know, um, me and Josh were just talking about, you know, his work schedule is nuts right now. And, uh, I recently, I just started a job. Um, and so I, I work there now and then I come here, you know, on Fridays at the church and Alan's been a Coloradian for a week. Uh, tell, how was it, Alan? So we, we had a ball. We, uh, we, me and a friend of mine, uh, give a shout out to David Turpin. Good guy. We've, we've uh, been planning this trip for uh, months but it was basically just a uh, over-the-counter do-it-yourself type uh, elk hunt in the second rifle season of uh, Colorado, which is uh, a pretty challenging type yeah. hunt. You got to go into it with an open mind, and if killing an elk is like the top priority on your agenda, uh, the second rifle season is probably not your best option. <laughs> you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be disappointed because uh, the, the elk have already been through archery season. <laughs> They've already been through a drawed muzzleloader season. They've already been through a drawed yeah. first rifle season. They're hiding. And, and, yeah, they've been hunted hard. And, uh, and like Josh says, at the crack of the door, the elk just head for cover. They're gone. They evacuate the area. It's crazy. And uh, we, we had a good time, though. Got to see some beautiful country and uh, some yeah. absolutely just – God's uh, creation. Oh, man. Yeah. Set up there on a big uh, ball at like 12,000 feet. And uh, me and David were talking. You know, God dearly, he knew what he was doing. He didn't yeah. need our help. He didn't yeah. need to seek our input on uh, creation. Man, he had it all. Yeah. I mean, point, spot on uh, the very first time. And uh, when you go to places like that where uh, his handiwork is just so obvious, uh, it's it's really uh, almost uh, spiritually uh, invigorating where that it just motivates you to a point yeah. of appreciation man i'm just a, a little bitty speck in god's universal plan and i'm glad that i get to play a part in it yeah it's uh i mean like just anywhere you go whether it's here local in tennessee or you know i've traveled um a little bit here in the states just similar places i mean it, it's crazy that I don't know. It's like you just don't have words to describe what you're seeing, but God. The, the combination of things where God puts you in a position like yeah. that where you think, okay, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm decent shape, and he puts you in a place 12,000 yeah. feet elevation where there's zero oxygen, and you think, you know what, my, part, my cardio is pretty good, and you walk like 20 feet, and you're like. <gasps> and then your nose bleeds. You're squeaking. <laughs> yeah, your nose bleeds and your head's pounding. <laughs> And there's, there's the, you go through the whole thought process of yeah. what, what was I thinking? Yeah. Why am I doing this? Yeah. You know? But uh, then you just step yeah. back, time out, calibrate your thoughts and say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm here to just yeah. enjoy my, myself. It's yeah. no, no pressure. It's I mean, you're, you're sitting in the, and I think we've talked about this before, but like when you talk about like the general revelation of God, like especially through nature, how God reveals himself to humans. Um, I mean, it's evident in creation. I think it's definitely more evident to a believer because you have verses like, I believe it's like Hebrews 11, 3 that says, you know, by faith, we understand that all things were created in the beginning. I'm paraphrasing, but basically it's by faith. We understand that God created all things. I mean, Genesis chapter one. Um, but even to, you know, um, it's like, you know, I, I, in one of my theology books that I had to read for school, it talked about, and I'm trying to recollect this, 
Um, it talks about the difference between the guy who wrote Psalms 19 versus, um, I believe it was an Egyptian psalm written by just an Egyptian man. Um, you know, the the man in Psalms 19, which was a believer, walked out and, you know, God's here, where can I go, right? You know, uh, you know David, he's like, if I go high, if I go to the heavens or if I go to, you know, shell, you're there, right? Um, and David expressed that in the psalm. But then, you know, you look at the Egyptian psalm, I believe it was, where the man walked out, and he recognized a god, but then in his own intellect decided to name it Ra, the sun god. Um, And and so it's two evidences that a human can walk outside and look into the sky and recognize a creator, but it's the way you address the creator, whether it's going to be valid or not. Because a lot of people believe in God and identify a god, and I think what's cool, it's like, you know, one time I heard someone um, use God's name in vain, and someone spoke up and said, God hears when you say his name like that too, by the way. Just so you know, good or bad. And I started thinking about, you know, how many people cry out to God, but they don't identify him as the God of Israel, the biblical God. Um, you know, he hears that. I mean, he sees that, right? I mean, it's even like when you talk about Sodom and Gomorrah, he knew what they were doing in that town. It said sins came up before him. Um, and so, you know, we serve a mighty God that created all things. And I'm thankful that he's allowed me to be a part of the elect where I can recognize through the salvation I have in Jesus that it was made by the Israel God. Um, and I mean, you still have practicing sects of Jewish traditions that still believe in the Old Testament first five book God. I mean, you, you have all these people, but, you know, the general revelation is God reveals himself enough through the wind that blows through the trees. I mean, you think about that text when uh, the army, right? When the wind went through the mulberry trees, it was time yeah. to go. Yeah. I mean, God, God's evident. Um, and there's just something obvious yeah. and absolutely convincing yeah. about when you're in that solitude, that yeah. place where there's you know no distraction. There's, you learn, I'm minding my own business. You, know, you learn just, the I'm most. I'm in the yeah. zone. I'm, I'm looking for elk. I'm... I'm not having a super spiritual moment or, 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 or reflecting on the goodness. I'm just in there in my in yeah. my nothing box looking for, you know, an animal. And all of a sudden, the revelation of his yeah. sovereignty and his power is yeah. so evident. It's like it smacks you in the face. Yeah. And there's no denying who yeah. God is and that he created all yeah. this. Well, it's those moments that we step back just for that split second to acknowledge his work, you know, yeah. to see the, yeah. the beauty of it. But, you know, and it's a, like earlier you said that, you know, we had nothing to do with it. But God, w- we have nothing. And I'm thankful that we have nothing to do with it because we would just mess it up. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's even like so with creation, you also have the salvation. And then like Hunter was saying about, you know, that there are a lot of people right now that currently do believe in a God. Um but it's it's an un, it's unfortunate because yeah. the the their mindset they create God to be something that they want him to be yeah. instead of the God that is the God of the universe the one that created yeah. and spoke everything into existence. So what it is, it what it ultimately is boiling down to is people's disobedience, blatant just dis dis the. the, the the want to put God to how they want Him instead of them yeah. coming into live for God and by God. That's some Romans one stuff. Like yeah. they knew God, they just didn't they, acknowledge Him yeah. as, as God. It's a form of self righteousness. Yes. 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 yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. even what is it? Romans ten, I think that it talks about. Is it or nine? Where the, it talks about they're finding their own self righteousness as well. Yeah. Oh, are you talking about where it says uh, they're full of zeal, but something, something, t- yeah. I think that's right there at the beginning of 10. I could be wrong. Um, but while Josh is looking this up too, you know, Alan, a lot of times it's interesting too that, you know, uh, which I'm a hunter myself and a fisherman, um, but a lot of times when I'm in nature, isolated, that's a lot of times where I really learn a lot about my true self. Yeah. And God can convicts me of, uh, Josh, whenever you find that, just holler, um, that he, I mean, it, he works on me. You know what I'm saying? Because nothing's around. And all of a sudden, you know, I'll be sitting there, and, you know, he brings up a sin or yeah. he brings up, you know, that I need to repent of or a weakness. You know, when it's funny you say that, because when we were sitting there and I'm thinking, man, I drove all this way. Yeah. I really want to kill an elk. 
yeah. man, this is one of my bucket list things I want to do. If God, if you're, you know, if you're, if it's your will, and I, I'm praying selfish prayers like that, and God reveals to me just how childish I am. Yeah, and, and how meaningless things like that are, and how much development yeah. I need in my own spiritual development yeah. to get away from some of that self-centered stuff. And that's crazy that you said that because literally two weeks ago when um, I was sitting in a blind um, and I was, I was bow hunting. And I was convinced, it's like, I'm going to kill a deer today. Today's the day, you know. And it's like, I didn't see anything all day. But God convicted me while I was there. And I had to have someone on one time and really pray and confess some things in my life. And I left that day and I was like, what if the point of me coming out here wasn't to enjoy myself in recreation, but it was to have a time where God would convict me. And it's like, you know, um, right now we're we're going through this whole trying to get you know a place prepared for a house, and you got to do a water line, you got to do electrical, you got to do all this, and so um, you know a guy came in and he put our electrical in, and I wanted I'm I'm covering the ditch back up, and uh, in the midst of that, I, I mean I'm sitting out there, and um, I have to dig through a goat lot which is great. You know, they just stand there and try to bite my shorts. Um, but it's, you know, I'm sitting there and in the midst of working outside by myself, I find myself convicted and repenting of, of things that I, selfish thoughts or, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, uh, I had this silly thought. I was like, you know, I wish these, you know, God would make these animals cover this ditch up for me so I can leave, you know, cause he's creator. He yeah. controls all things, which that's immature and trying to be funny. Um, But it's like, it's funny how whether I'm here in his house or I'm driving or I'm out in the woods by my, he knows me. Mm -hmm. He knows my heart. And it doesn't matter where I'm at. um, He can convict me and and reprove me. But I will say this, I I do enjoy being able to sit, you know, tree stands or whatever at the break of dawn. Absolutely. In the morning or in the afternoon and, and just get to... Like you said, meditate on the goodness of God. Yeah. So, do you find that text, Josh? Yeah, Romans ten two. I'm gonna start there. Ten ten two ten three. I'm gonna read. It says, "For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to the knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, is going about establishing their own righteousness, not having submitted themselves to the righteousness of God." Yeah. And it's just. I mean, that's basically where it's at. Though. Yeah. They, they, you know, people do believe in God. They acknowledge a God. It's just that they. They want to make it a form of yeah, what they want. Yes, and I was, they they want a God. They want a heaven, yep. but they want it to be the way that they want it, which has been the issue since the garden. Yep. People and Satan himself wanted things the way, and you know when you talk, it's like this week. I've really been reflecting on this thought of if you ever really go through the things that we believe by faith, um, there are some things that like the normal natural mind thinks are crazy, and they're right. Um, I wasn't there in Genesis 1-1. The fact that Moses wrote the first books, the five books, and he wasn't even there for part. That I mean, that's tough, right? But, see, we could cop out right there and make an excuse or try to make a point on why. But then you have the text. All Scripture was given by the inspiration of God. So take Moses out of the picture. And by faith, we believe that God gave Scripture. So, you know, I think growing in the sanctification process also is a place where you keep growing in your faith. And that also means wrestling and having more assurance about some hard things that we might wrestle over. Because once we realize that the faith we even have was created and given by God, what I mean, what what do we have to do, right? What do we have to... It's all on Him. Everything's through Him, for Him, by Him. Scripture talks about that. And that's where you and I, which is great, us three, we just get to rest in the salvation and the sovereignty of the Lord and focus on being obedient and being a witness every day life and just keeping our eyes open to opportunities. And that's like the thing I love about being a Christian is so, I mean, it's like this might sound little to some people, but like this morning I wasn't supposed to be in service. I was supposed to be in the back, but we didn't have a lot of children. So I, I came out. So I was like, I'm going to go to choir. Um, and we went and, you know, Ty was like, you know, he was telling the band we're going to sing, is he worthy? And I'm like, I hope they have the words. Because if they don't have the words, it's about to get real awkward in this place, right? And so they start playing it, and there's no words. And I'm like, you know, I, I'm I'm bad at this. I don't know words. And so I just was like, Lord, you know, I really need your help. And it's like in, in the midst of 
that song with no words. I, I mean, just God ministered to my heart and helped me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, he gave me the first verse. And I was like, oh, no, I, I don't know the second part. All of a sudden, it came to my mind, and then the words popped up, and I thought, man, this is God's sovereign timing. Here I am freaking about and worrying about me when all I need to do is call upon the one that can help me. And, you know, he could have left me there. I mean, it could happen so many different ways, but what I learned in that moment is, you know, Scripture says he'll help us in our weakness and our infirmities. The Spirit will. Um, God's our teacher. He's always there for us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And it's funny because you can even go through a time in your life where you're like, Where's God? You know, why is God using this guy this way or helping these people like that? And then all of a sudden, something so small becomes something so big. And, you know, not only do we serve a mighty creator, but, man, he gave us life. He knows our thoughts, our hearts, our minds. Uh, Every decision we're going to make before it's even made, he knows. Um, And I'm thankful um, that we serve an all-powerful God. And, you know, and I think this is true for all believers the more mature you come in your faith and the further you go in sanctification and that process of becoming more like Christ, it seems like it's just you learn to keep depending on Christ. And it's not that things get easier, but because your faith grows, you find like your doubts, right? Or your insecurities in your faith. They really start to dwindle down and not have as much effect on your mind as they did when you were not as far. Maybe you were on milk at that point. Um, you know, I used to struggle with salvation a lot, but through the Holy Spirit, I'm at a place now where my faith's in Christ and Christ alone, and He promised He would keep my faith. He would keep my sal- And I'm to the point where it's like, okay, um, do, does the enemy try to use a fiery dart right in that area? Absolutely. Um, if I try to get in my flesh, right, in my natural mind about some things, can I, can I start questioning? Yeah, but, but I don't. Why? Because I trust God and my faith in Him. And I, our pastor talked about that this morning. And uh, um, the faith we have in Creator God, um, salvation, you know, everything that He has created and offered um, through His Son is just, um, it's unspeakable. You know, we we fully can't comprehend it. So, um, with all that being said, um, I, I'm glad we're kind of, you know, we've talked about sovereignty a little bit. We've talked, and if you guys are, you know, familiar, we're talking about Calvinism. That's the, the subject we're in. And uh, our last time speaking about it um, was with Pastor Jason and Pastor Jake. And we really got to talk about free will a lot. And, you know, I haven't heard anything from our listeners, but I, I hope that intrigues some people. Um, we're still having ongoing conversations about free will because it's interesting. It's like I proposed this. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, I have free will. I decide what I want to eat. Well, who gave you the taste buds for it, right? So there's always a like a, a backup question that can come behind, this is what I did. But then there's that backup question of like, but did God not let you? Did not God not bring you to this place for that moment? And uh, I can't remember what I said specifically, but it, it goes on the lines of this. A lot of people like believe like or view God as like a moment by moment kind of thing almost like you know in a football game a ref watches every moment and tries to make a decision on what's supposed to happen or what needs to happen but like God's not just like a spur of the moment kind of God like he doesn't have to watch everything moment by moment and decide right he's already decided I mean we see that from the beginning before the foundation eternity passed right as a phrase um, that God determined right God was sovereign God knew and so we have to understand that we, as people, right, we've talked about this, we, we have a free will, right, in our eyes to be obedient or be disobedient, right? But in the midst, God knew a long, long before we ever made a, a choice or a decision of what we wanted to do. He was already in the midst of that. And we're going to kind of come off of this free will conversation um, and that's one subject, John, and I think I read a couple quotes by John Calvin about that free will, uh, and you guys weren't here, but one of the quotes was, and I'm going to paraphrase it, John Calvin said one of the best things the Christian church could do would be get, just to get rid of that phrase completely. Just get rid of the, the word free will. He said it's caused more corruption and more disagreement than it's caused any sort of unity or reverence to God. So that's what his opinion was, and you know, as he was writing is. We should just get rid of it as a whole. Now, you have to understand, you know, he went through, like, he went through the conscience decision of, like, what's right or wrong. And then he brought in God's sovereignty and how he 
predetermined, right? He knew what was going to take place, but to us, it was kind of like in our conscience, we had this decision. And to an extent, John Calvin does see free will because God does not make you and I sin, right? Uh, And he saw that. But he's like, you know, free will, yeah, we can talk about it, but we should just get rid of it. Um, and I agree with that. I, I really, I've heard more people argue and debate over the phrase free will than probably a lot of other things in Scripture because it's an issue. Because I think some people have an issue with the idea of all-powerful God lining out their life and what they're supposed to do. Um, now, I'm not trying to insinuate that we're robots because, you know, we don't find that in Scripture either. He, he doesn't make us, you know, be Christian robots like little puppets. But I am insinuating this. I would rather be obedient to an all-sovereign God than try to make an argument about how I can make my own decisions so I can live life the way I want to. I think that's the issue in a lot of places. It is. It's the bottom line. That that is the issue. Yeah. And uh, when we get on the topic like we've uh, been talking about and probably we'll talk about more today, uh, the hang-up for a lot of people is when you get into the topic of, well, God created certain people to go to hell. And God, you know, and that's that's a that, that yeah. that's a that's a stumbling block for some people. That's tough. But here's what you need to here's what you need to focus on. Our thoughts aren't God's thoughts. God knows. We do determine. We do have that yeah. that ability, free moral agent. He doesn't make us robots. So instead of focusing on the fact that is just that it's a fact, so, uh, uh, broad is the way. You know, narrow is the way, straight is the gate. Few there be that find it. And we understand and believe that. But instead of focusing on that, the importance of the concept is to demonstrate the difference, the yeah. separation between good and evil, the the the, the sheep and the goats, and the fact that yeah. there is uh, consequences for how we live our lives. Yeah. And that determining factor is what you do yeah. with the decision of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's the determining factor. Yeah. And, and understanding that uh, it's not God's will that any parish nope. all come to repentance. That's what it says. Our responsibility then of being finite, and, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Little. Be, yeah, being little and and, and, and and nowhere near God's position yeah. of b- being judge. Yeah. Uh, our responsibility is to be obedient. Yeah. And, and that's the, the bottom line, being obedient. And it's like this last week, um, you know, I had a few different conversations with different people about John chapter 6. Because Jesus is like, everything that the Father gives to me will come to me. I will not cast anything out. So when you look at that, you know, he's talking about people. I mean, he's talking about the elect. Exactly. And just like I said when we when we started, you know, we're, we're sitting on a, on, a, on a mountainside in Colorado and looking at his creation thinking, wow, how magnificent are yeah. you, God? Man, you didn't need my help in this, God. Man, you got it all perfect, God. Yeah. Same thing's true with judgment. Yeah. He's going to get it right. Yeah. He doesn't need my opinion. He doesn't need my help. He's yeah. going to get it perfectly accurate. Yeah. And it's like in that same chapter, you know, he knows. I mean, the Lord knows who's going to come to him. He's not going to lose any of them. And when you keep going with that that scripture, you go down, then you get to like John six forty four. You know, no one coming the Father unless the Father sent me draws him. So... It's like, here's the question, you know, with those two verses in the same chapter, does that context go together? So one person asks, you know, proposed this question. So does that mean we're all drawn the same way? So that's where it gets a little itchy. People are like, oh, well, everybody gets a chance. Some people are like, no, God draws the elect. And, and so my question that I proposed, which not that I have some almighty power, but it's a question as I asked this, I said, so if God has foreknowledge and he knows whether people are going to believe or not, is it fair for him to not draw someone who he knows is going to reject him? So that was kind of like the, the person I was talking to, which was my wife. She was like, huh, well, I guess that's fair. And I was like, it is fair. Now, on this podcast right now, I want to make this clear. I, I'm not insinuating that. Uh, my opinion is God draws the elect. Um, you know, I, I think that everyone gets not through the conscience to hear the gospel, right? They all get to hear the word. You know, no one can stand before God one day and say, you never gave me a chance. I mean, what would be the point of judgment, right? And giving an account of your life, whether you're a believer or not. So I firmly believe that people do reject the gospel. It's just a lot of people want to base it off their choice and their decision about what they did, right? But I emphasize the power that's in Christ, 
in salvation. Not my choice or my big decision. I emphasis on God's going to draw the elect forward and they're going to believe. And that's what I, I, I believe and I put my trust in because John 6. But see, before we even get to that, and we're about to we're about to get to that. Today I want to talk about, and we talked about this. Um, so before before we go on, the phrase TULIP. T-U-L-I-P. Uh, it's an, I believe it's an acronym, so each letter stands for something. Um, this was not created by John Calvin himself, but in this day and age, if people want to talk about Calvinism, TULIP's going to come up because John Calvin's followers, after he had died, had created this little acronym um, really to refute Arminianism. And we're going to... Is that what you're about to point out? What are you going to say? No, they uh, they actually used it to identify Calvinist followers. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were using it against them, but then it actually turned back to the where the yeah. Calvinists embraced it. Yeah. And then they put the one to put it. It was a mess, dude. Yeah, so the, it, what it, they turned... Because that's what they said. If you follow these five, you you're can... You're a Calvinist. Identi- yeah, right. You can identify a Calvinist. You're not welcome you're here. you're speaking to a Calvinist. <laughs> but then, like, Calvinists are like, yeah, that sounds great. We'll sign up. Yeah, and that's, that's what's gonna, us. And, that's, and, then, and they fully embraced it. And that's what I was saying. It's almost like to create this, like, all right, here's how you get in the club. <laughs> yeah. We like this. Way to go. And, I mean, it's a mess when you look at it, how... A, it is a mess because now they have 4.5 point. I mean, there's, you know, there's there's... The list goes on and on. They got you know, the rights to it, you know. You. Every time somebody says it, somebody gets a quarter somewhere, you know, something like that. But, uh, but this phrase is very uh, popular within the Calvinists. I guess the Calvinist clique. Now, I will say this: I myself do not identify as anything. I'm a Christian. I'm a Bible believing Christian, but I firmly agree with a lot of the things that John Calvin taught, not because I want to be in some club or I want to be cool or I want to be a reformed person, because of the scripture that supports the point scripture teaches it. Um, and and we'll, we'll kind of go through that. But I do want to say this. Today I, I'm using uh, probably a very popular um, just dot org website and i want to you know this was written by a guy named reverend barry gritters or griders i believe it's gritters um and i want to cite him because right now another thing that's going on in the sbc is all these cats plagiarizing everybody ed Litton, our president himself which we can talk about that another day um it, it's a joke i'll say this it is a joke to be a plagiarizing pastor if you're going to stand in the pulpit and it's someone else's We've literally... You have the Word of God. You can write your own, so why copy somebody else's? Because that's basically all you're doing is you're taking... It's like like being assigned a book report in elementary school, and you're taking word for word... No different. The the book report, you know? No different whatsoever. Right. You know, you have the book. Study it. Come up with your own sermon. Preach it. It's fake. It is. It's laziness. That is exactly what it is. Well, and it's like, you know, here at Watson's, we, you know, me, Jake, and Pastor Jason, we've been having just a few conversations because we keep up with the SBC, but it's like, it's happening in this area too. So it's not like it's foreign. I I mean, there are guys here that play drives, and I've seen it. I've heard it. Um, But like, and I just want to say this, it's a joke. To me, it's an evidence of someone who's not called or they want to prove something to someone or they want to be in the clique or they want to be a brown noser. That's a nice way to put it. Um, but when you look at that, it's a joke and I can't stand it because, you know, um, you know, I, I read after guys and I love listening to sermons, but I'm going to quote a person. Um, right. You know, right, and that's all you got to do. Yeah, and then you're not plagiarizing. Yeah. All you got to do is give credit where the credit's due. Yeah, say, these ain't my own words. I heard this in the sermon from so and so, and this is yeah. what he said. And then you're not plagiarizing. Yeah, and it's it's even like sometimes I'll say this real quick, Alan. Um, there's sometimes like I want to quote something, and I don't know the guy's name, but I'm still saying I heard this right. from another pastor. I heard this. Or I want to share what I heard so-and-so say. Because uh, I want to say this. If I ever stood in the pulpit and took someone else's words and say, I want, this is what God's put on my heart right. for Make you. It your own. That's a joke. Yes. That's fake. Alan, God, what are we going to say? God, God's give you enough authentic material as just by being a, a child of the Just kingdom. read yes. the Bible. Absolutely. And that's the most sincere, the most compassionate, the yeah. most effective yeah. point of view it's what God yeah. has done in my life. Yeah. Hey, and if you're not called, here's an idea. Sit down. Yeah. Just sit down. Good idea. And I mean that honestly. Good idea. And I, I listen, God has, you know, God's called me to the to the place that he wants to call me and he's going to use me according to his will. Uh and I don't care what that looks like. I want to be faithful to what he calls me to do. But I'm never going to stand up there and literally take, you know, for instance, 
uh, a Billy Graham sermon and say, here's what God's put on my heart today, church. Let's get into John and literally just paraphrase and copy him. That's a joke. I got F's in school one time for doing that when I was younger. And, I, you know, the, I hated standing before the teacher. I couldn't imagine having to stand before God one day and give an account for plagiarizing and stealing things. You know what plagiarism is? It's a form of lying. So not only are they deceiving people, but they're lying from the pulpit. There's that. And like Alan said, though, if you're just reading the Word of God, you ain't plagiarizing. Mm-mm. You know, it's when you put those extra thoughts and those extra, and I mean, that's really what you're plagiarizing. Yeah. Because it's yeah. not, it's not the word of God that you're plagiarizing. Yeah. It's the thought process that got from the scripture. And that's what you're, so you're saying you can't have independent thought on your own from reading the word of God and studying yeah. to come up with your own, hey, yeah. this is what I got out of it. You have to take somebody else's and be like, this is what I got out of it via. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, <laughs> exactly right, exactly right. Yeah, and the, the 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 other part of it though is like you know this election for our SBC president. You know, whatever purpose it's going to serve, it's going to serve. But it's like you got Albert Moeller that ran. Okay, so now it's coming out. He's he's huge on critical race theory, even yes. though he denies it, <laughs> and he's partnered up with uh, I think it's like Legan Duncan and a lot of these guys that their money ties into some dark sources. Uh, and then you got Ed Litton who plagiarizes people. So it's like, you know, we're going to, that's a lose-lose. Uh, and, you know, here's the thing. I, I'm sure that Ed Litton's a good guy and he he has a, you know, good heart towards some things, but he's caught ran-handed. And my 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 advice, and Summer, this is my opinion, it'll go nowhere, is um, he should stop. How, how can you represent our SBC community when you've just got caught play, being a plagiarist. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to speak ill against the man. I'm not going to condemn him to, you know, all these awful things. Uh, you know, I, I've heard his passion and his heart towards a lot of things. Uh, you know, he, he was huge in a lot of, like, the racial reconciliation and the racism that was taking place in some Baptist churches, and he wanted to advocate to get rid of that. And I, I'm for that. You know, if someone's racist and they're in a pulpit, you know, they need to go – play cards somewhere they don't need to advocate as a preacher or representative of christ and be a racist you know Um, but still it's that thing of like he plagiarized and he's not the only one but here's the other thing and we can move on jd greer was like i'm cool with it the former president yeah that's a joke that that's a joke so my my thing is this you know so with this particular topic (laughs) it's uh (laughs) we can sit at it you know, for me, I, I, and I do get caught up in it. I can sit down and be, how can they do that? But we all can very quickly go down a path yeah. that we are caught in the same situation. Maybe it's not the play drive, but maybe it's something else. But we can all, That's we true. all are capable. That's true, Josh. You know, and when we get to that point, sometimes it's hard for us to swallow our own pride. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that might be where he's at. You know, the, right now, yes, he's caught and he's, he feels it. But like I said, I mean, and I, like I said, because I know I personally am guilty of that, is to quickly look at somebody else and be like, how could they do this? So I'll say this, and I'll be quiet. And I'll, it's going to sound harsh and judgmental and like I'm a bitter person, but I'm not. I promise. I, I've got a heart of love. I've got a heart of love. He's justifying guys. himself over there. <laughs> <laughs> a position of leadership. Yeah. That's true. A position of leadership. Yeah. Demonstrating. Uh, An example char- to the believers. Characteristics that are not becoming. Of the position, uh, yeah, we're all we all have the potential. We all have the ability. We're all flesh. We all make mistakes. Now, what do we do? Do we cover it up? Which they've do been we, doing. Do we do we, do mm-hmm. we act like mm-hmm. it didn't happen? Do we justify it? No. Do we repent of it? Yes. Or do we, and do we set that example for the folks that are everybody that's watching that are looking to us right. for leadership? We should demonstrate yes. a contract broken spirit for a mistake that's made. I get it. Yes. It's a mistake. Yes. We all make mistakes. Yep. How we respond to those mistakes is pivotal, yep. especially from a person in a leadership position. Set the example for those who are looking yep. to you by saying, dude, that's not right. I shouldn't do that. 
I repent. You're not going to catch me doing it again. Right. True repentance. And I mean, that goes back to like even when we were having the family discussions, you know, months ago back, where we it's, we, on, we, it's we, honesty, we, right? Where it's we, credi- where it comes to where it's in credibility, front of our, right? In yeah. front of our children, yeah. saying, "Hey, you know what? I goofed." It's credibility. Saying to our spouse, "You know what? I goofed. Yeah. I made it." And it is. It's accountability and credibility to where the point to where you understand that you are not in charge. Yep. We are fallible. We are going to make mistakes, yep. and when we do, acknowledge our mistakes. Look to Him. Seek Him. And ask yeah. for forgiveness. Ain't it funny though that as the as the as the position changes and elevates into you know the larger mass of people that are looking to you for leadership, ain't it funny how that those concepts don't apply? You know what I'm right. saying? I can I can justify myself. Politics, exactly. Yes. It's politics, exactly. And instead of the biblical principles that apply to every believer, now all of a sudden they don't apply to me because. I'm in a position of elevation. <laughs> yeah. And we could, I was just looking here at the time. We could keep going on this, um, but we'll move back because <laughs> I, I'm just saying we could go on this because I, I keep up with it. Yeah. And I know you all do, do too, and our, our pastor keeps up with it. And, and it's like, um, even with the, the cover-up sex scandals yeah. that are coming, that's a joke, bro. And yeah. I get it. You know, Josh is right. We all could, we all fail. We all have little things or big things that we trip up on. But it's like, Alan, man, you hit it. Not only is he a pastor of a church, but he's supposed to be like the president, like the pastor uh, to the pastors, right? Uh, to communicate the church leaders. And it's like, I just went through some, you know, characteristics and, rec- you know, not recommendations, responsibilities from Titus and 1 Timothy 3. And he's not keeping those. Yep. So that's what brings it into question. Yep. Um, now, and it'll probably get covered up like everything else. I hope not, but uh, let, let's just keep going. <laughs> so um, we've got enough time, and I think this first thing of Tulip that we're going to talk about is probably going to take the rest of our segment um, because it's total depravity. And man, that one right there is uh, it's honest and true. So just remember, this is by Reverend Barry Gritters. Uh, I, I, the reason I picked this is because um, this is his, but the explanation of it is so easy that when I first really started studying Tulip a few years ago, I found this and I was like, man, this explains it super well. And so I, I hope that explains it maybe to somebody that's never heard it. Um, but, you know, basically he starts off with um, this proposed and this is him. Um, is the faith of our fathers living in your life? That's his question in your church. We sing the song, faith of the fathers living still. No doubt faith is living. But the question is, where is faith living confessed? Um, what is faith of our fathers? Is it expressed 350 years ago by church fathers at the Sinoid of uh, Dorit in the Netherlands? We use the familiar acrostic tulip and help remember what the fathers in the Bible teaches. So this is, he's just stating this is what we use to show everybody what the, the faith is and what the Bible teaches. And, and this is his stance. Um, so T stands for total depravity. And I want to read through this and just listen to this, um, listeners. Now, remember, this is not our church covenant that we have here or our church doc. This is just we're talking about a discussion on Calvinism. Um, Barry, uh, Reverend Barry says this. Total depravity means simply man is dead. The Bible says that you and I are dead in our trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Unless we're born again. And then he put in all caps with a bunch of exclamation marks. Dead. More than that, the man or woman who is dead in sin hates God. Wow. And his carnal mind is enmity against God. Romans 8, 7. His will is stubbornly stilled against God. The biblical idea changes a lot of modern talk about salvation. So he says this biblical idea changes that idea of modernistic salvation. So he said, consider what this means. He's got four little points. Number one, can a man do good works then if he is not a Christian who is born again? That's a question right there, friends. Listen, can a man do good works if he is not a Christian who is born again? Now, we could talk about, you know, Jesus said that even sinners know how to give good gifts, right? That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about, can a man do a good work in the eyes of God if he's not a Christian? His answer is no. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Romans 14, 23. Another text. Without faith, we cannot please God. Impossible. That's an, impossible. Okay. Number two. This is point two. Can a man want to be born again and follow instructions on how to do it? 
So he's like, can a man desire to be born again and follow instructions? Reverend Barry's answer is this, no. For that would be like saying that a man in a grave can desire to come out of the grave or follow instructions on how to be made alive. It would be like trying to lure him out of the grave. Look here. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. James 6.33. So in that text, he's like, can a man even desire to want to be born again? No. And he says, it's the spirit that gives life. You and I cannot... Uh, try to convince someone to be saved. It's only the Spirit of God that gives life, not the flesh. That's his second point. The third point, wow. Can any man accept Christ as his personal Savior so that he becomes saved after that? So after someone's tried to explain it to him? Of course not. He says, accepting Christ is a good work done only by a Christian. Only after... God makes a person alive. Can he and will he accept Christ? No man can come unto me except the Father who sent me draws him. So what he's saying is that until God makes someone alive, right, that they can't even understand they're a sinner. And only at that point when God quickens them through the Spirit and helps them realize they're lost can they put their faith in Christ and be saved. This is Reverend Barry Grotters. I don't remember. This is not Hunter Blair. Okay, number four, can you offer salvation to anyone? That is surely impossible. One might as well offer food to a dead man than salvation to a dead sinner. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Now, this is, his, this is his conclusion. Only God can make us alive. God does that sovereignly. That's true. Without our aid and without our asking. Also true. From beginning to end, salvation is of the Lord. That's Jonah chapter 2 and verse 9. This is the faith that we preach because it is biblical, because it is the faith of our fathers, which we love, still living in our hearts, and because it gives God all the glory. Now, after this, he goes into unconditional election, which talks about not my choice. We'll get into that next week. I'd like to stay with this first thought of total depravity. Now, right off the bat, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 nails that. We are dead in our sins and our trespasses, right? I mean, we, we've talked about that in yep. here. Now, this kind of does review and bring back up this free will idea because what Reverend Barry Gritters, a uh, professing Calvinist, and a lot of other Calvinists profess, is that you as a person have, uh, if you'll go with me into this, n- no free will to choose God. You can't even know you're lost unless God works with you and reveals to you through the Spirit. Now, we can understand that the verse he quoted, the Spirit quickeneth. That means the Spirit gives life and the flesh profits nothing. We can, for uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the carnal mind cannot discern the things of God. Um, you know, the carnal mind's at enmity against God. There's so many texts that talk about what it means to be lost and against God. I mean, Paul, right? Let's look at Paul's life. He thought he was living for God before he was saved. But yet, because he was dead in his sins and his trespasses, he had no clue He's, until what happened. Sin revived and I died. That's when the, it came to life to him. God showed him. So it, interest, it introduces this question. What and how far is a man totally deprived and dead? Now, in, in my opinion, because of Scripture and the conviction I have, I believe in a full, complete deadness. There's no spiritual awareness. Um, to say that someone's lost and they have spiritual awareness contradicts Scripture itself. Um, Jesus even said, what? The light shined in darkness and dark, darkness comprehended it not. Right? So they had no clue. They could not do it. Um, you know, when you talk about the eunuch and Philip, Philip's like, you know what you're reading. He said, how can I read this unless someone explains it to me? Right? And so Philip ministers to him. That man's saved. Okay, you got Acts chapter 9. A guy, um, not Acts chapter 9, you get into Acts chapter 10, Cornelius. Now, people might say, well, Cornelius desired God. Well, Cornelius desired God in an Old Testament way. He raised alms, right? He did his sacrificial things that he had to do and that the Jews had been practicing for years, but Christ came to fulfill that. So, Cornelius had never, ever been saved. He didn't have a spiritual awareness of his lostness until what? 
Peter showed up and he preached the gospel. Now, did God send a vision both ways? Absolutely. Right? God can do that. God can communicate. Nebuchadnezzar, right? He had the dreams. Okay. But we have to understand, no one can truly realize they're completely lost in their sins unless who's involved? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. God. Now, I believe this, and I'd kind of like to hear you all come come into this with me. Um, I think Reverend Barry Gritters, Gritters, and a lot of other men who profess a Calvinistic-based faith, I think he's taken a lot of this to the extreme. And to me, it's a, it's, it's a complicated answer to a very simple solution. God is very good through the Holy Spirit of revealing our lostness. Yeah. And he's done it for years. Uh, again, it goes back to our response to that. How do you as an individual, how does yeah. Alan Lovin as an individual respond to the Holy Spirit prompting me? I know at the age of 12, I accepted him. But did he prompt me and reveal my lostness before the age of 12? Yes, he did. I can't remember the exact age I was, but I know it was some years. It was a year or two that uh, I spent under different times of exposure by the Holy Spirit of my condition before I responded to that. Yeah. So, uh, yes, this is a very complex explanation yeah. to a very simple, yeah, very simple solution. Yeah. Obey the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the reason I said extreme is this. I agree with some of the things that he says, but it's almost like this. You have to pick what side, what team you're on. That's what a lot of them rely on is I'm picking this team and this is the pool I stand in. Now, for me, I don't pick teams. I'm just with Scripture. Now, I might agree with the man, but I also know that God is sovereign. Now, the other thing that happens is a lot of times when you start talking about, okay, you might be listening to this and say, Hunter, I believe everyone has a choice. Okay, let's talk about that. And we'll get into that more this next week, too. This phrase, everyone has a choice. So, Jesus said phrases that would elude us, right, to believe that everyone has a choice. Whosoever, right, you seek me while I can be found, right, you seek me, I'll find. Yes, Scripture says that. Yes, Jesus said that, absolutely. Now, you know, this next week we might get into some of the phrasing, like some things were plural, but some things were singular. That means a specific group rather than just anyone who wants to join the club. Um, we'll talk about that this next week. Um, Pastor Jason has a great um, biblical explanation. I might try to pull him in for that. Um, and when we talk about this phrase of like, everyone has a choice, well, how many of us have been raised taught that? I have. I'd say 80% of this area has. So the first thing that happens is when people hear that phrase, they cling to what they've heard their whole lives. You got to come out of that. Not saying convert to the other team. I'm saying this. Don't hold on to tradition and what you've been told. Go study it yourself. Because if someone says, well, everyone has a choice, you know what my rebuttal is? Show me. Show me in text. Because as much as we could talk about that people have a choice, we can look at how it's already been determined. So some people are like, well, do you have to pick what side. How about this? Let's not pick sides. Let's just let God save because that's his business anyway, right? But when we look at this total depravity, we have to understand that biblically it's real. Ephesians 2.1 sets the standard. And when he started talking about, can a man be want, can a man want to be born again? And he's like, no. But if you go in our children's wing right now and you ask kids who wants to be saved, all of them will raise their hands. So how do we define that? Who wants to go to heaven? Who wants to go to heaven? Everybody does. So we have to explain that. Now, obviously, he's not in this room right now to explain, right, every rebuttal that we might come in. And I I don't know how old this man is. I don't know if he's still alive. I I, I don't know. But I'm hoping that as we go through this podcast, and you got to remember, we still got Arminianism. We've got Universalism. We still got Traditionalism. We got all these things. We're going to take our time because we're going to try our best to find answers. But if we can't find a specific answer to this then what we will do is we will teach both sides and let you as the listener discern what you agree with. Now, I'm fine with stating my personal opinions 
and, and where I line up with text, and I don't care to share those texts. But one thing that I do appreciate about this man is every point has a text to support why he's saying the things he's saying. He quotes Romans 14.23, Romans 6.33, Romans 6.44, Ephesians 2.1 and 2. He's got the text. Jonah chapter 2 even goes to the Old Testament for that one. So this phrase of total depravity is true. If you're not a Christian, you are at enmity with God. You hate God. And you might be thinking, I don't hate God. No, you do. If you're in sin and you've never been born again, you hate God. Whether you say it or not, you hate God because of your life and your lostness. Now, our pastor's going through John right now. And before long, he's going to get into some election because the light shine in darkness, right? When you get into John 6, when you get, here's the thing. John 4, right? So God, what, what did Jesus tell Peter at one point? He said, flesh and blood had not revealed that to you, but my Father who art in heaven. So God revealed to Peter that Jesus was the Son of God. Peter's part of the elect, right? So God revealed that. So all of a sudden, he's talking with the woman at the well in John 4. And she's like, we know the Messiah's coming. He goes, well, I'm he. And then all of a sudden, a switch, right? She's like, oh my goodness, you're him. So it's already been established in Scripture that God revealed that to her. She was a part of the elect, right? They're going to come to me. I'm not going to lose them. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 6. So as we go through this tulip phrase, we're going to have some places we're going to have big discussion on something. Like when we get to limited atonement, that's going to take a minute. Because I'll share this with you all, and I want to say this up front. I don't agree with it. Limited atonement means that Jesus, his blood that he shed on the cross was only sufficient for the elect. Now, praise God, right? Praise God that anyone can be saved. We can say that, amen? Yep. But, 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 I believe in 1 John chapter 2. It says he died not just for our sins, but for the sins of the whole whole world. world. Whole world. So I don't agree with that. And we'll talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thoroughly we will go through that conversation. And I'm more than obliged to talk about why I don't agree with that. Because the same time the Bible says that, there's also a section of scripture that talks about, I believe in Roman, that those who trample underfoot yeah. the message, right? God remembers that. So they've refused the message. So therefore, if the blood of Christ was only sufficient for the believers and not those who trample foot, why would they have to answer for rejecting the gospel? So there's some logic that we're going to pull out of this. And what I encourage you to do as listeners is one, look this stuff up and study it. Not be prepared for what we're getting ready to start talking about. Don't just take our word as, you know, holy bread or this is how it's supposed to be. And don't listen to this and say, well, I hate them. I don't want to listen to them because of what they said. Guys, we're having discussions that need to be held. Too many times in this day and age do people just believe what the pastor says and no one has a rebuttal or a conversation or discussion about it. I have friends in my life right now that I don't agree with them on some of their theology but I love them because they're brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ. And that's how we want you all to look at this. If we say something that we firmly believe in, um, don't just turn us off and hate us. We're still your brother and sister in Christ. But we might just have a different view on a, on a, or a conviction. And don't look at this and be like, well, why do they view it that way and I don't? Is something wrong with me? No, nothing's wrong with you, Christian. We're on the process of being taught by God through the power of the Holy Spirit And we're not in front of anyone in the sanctification line. We're not better or wiser or smarter. It's just a process of being able to sit. I think about it like this. The phrase meditation, right, that can really be taken out of context in this day and age, especially with all the yoga and the, the, what do they, what do they talk about those, those levels or those things in you? I can't think what they're, it's a weird word. Um, It's like not karma, chakra. Something like that, like your chakras, all that stuff. No, that's not meditate. Think about this. It's like this. You know, this job I have, um, I get to build wire harnesses uh, for boats. So, like, what am I going to do my first couple days? I'm going to sit and chew on and meditate on how this has to be constructed and how I can learn how to construct it. Now, as I learn how to do the process, right, something's going to develop and I'm going to be taught how to do it. But as I continue, right, I'm going to find ways and more ways that I can learn. Now, obviously, learning the Bible is not on the same level as a job, but think about it like Scripture. You read it. You're taught it. But a lot of times, don't you just have to sit and meditate and think and pray and ask God to bring clarity? 
You know, there's some subjects that the Bible, it's taken almost a year or two to comprehend because that's God's will, right? He's not a, what we talk, he's not a Pez dispenser. Right? You just don't get what you want. He's going to teach us things and bring us through things. And so as we go through this, pray that God will just bring you through this and teach you because you might be thinking, well, this has nothing to do with my church or where I go. You don't get outside enough. You need to get outside because we could go in some environments right now, start talking about Calvinism, and dude, we'll get people fired up for the wrong reasons because they hate Calvinists. They're and sinners. Don't even know why they hate them? No, because the pastor said so. Daddy and we're, we're quoting what someone said. Daddy uh, hates them. Yeah, <laughs> old papa, and uh, we're not discrediting your your old folks, but guys, uh, at some point. At some point, we've got to break the pattern of people not being willing and able to study or learn things for themselves and stop depending on Papaw Ricky that said this is how it is back in, you know, 92 at so-and-so church. And that's just how um, it's like I heard a phrase this last week. My friends in a Bible study and a man spoke up. They're talking about drinking. He said, guys, I really don't know a lot about how drinking's wrong, but uh, since I was a kid, I was told drinking's wrong. And that's what the Bible says, right? So he says that, and then all of a sudden these guys are like, you got a dip in your mouth. So he's like, well, so my friend's like, so in that moment, because he's never studied it out for himself or really looked in, right, but he's pushing a conviction, he's pushing something on someone, all of a sudden they turn the table around. They're like, you're chewing, bro. Is that not bad for you too? And in that moment, he didn't have a rebuttal. So we've got to get out, we've got to break that. People, listen, everyone listen to this. You're smart enough. Yeah. The Holy Spirit's in you. I know you're smart enough. You can study your Bible and study these things and figure out what it means for you, not because of what your pastor said. So we leave you guys with a challenge, and this is kind of a cliffhanger because we're going to get into this total depravity and some of these phrases. Um, I'll probably pull another resource into this just so we have two comparisons of TULIP. That way we're not just going off one, but we have two, um, and, and we'll kind of go through this. And uh, Jake will probably come join us eventually because, you know, he, he loves this this stuff right here. Um, but uh, we're just excited, and, you know, um, we're praying for you. Pray for us, you know, this time of year. Um, you know, I, I would imagine here, um, you know, I'll be out of town in like two weeks for a week, so I won't even be here on a Sunday, but I imagine Christmas comes around we might kind of take like a two-week break until we can get back into January just so we can get things back together. And because, uh, you know, we, we don't want to be, to an extent, we don't want to be inconsistent. Like, you know, my whole thing is like if we're, we usually know within a week before if we're going to record or not. So going through December, you know, something might come up, this might come up. And we don't want to be inconsistent with you all. We want to let everyone know and keep it all out there. Um, so probably after this month, We'll have more of like, hey, this is what we're going to do through December. We might record for two weeks and then um, take a break and come back in January. Or we might pre-record four and release them. at. Di- we'll see. So we'll let you guys know. Um, but guys, do you all have anything else? Just so you know, the, the timeline works out to where that uh, this week uh, will be the uh, community dinner. So it will be an opportunity oh, for yeah. us. To November serve, 13th, right? Yeah, to serve our community yeah. and uh, deliver some meals to some yeah. shut-in folks and just to spread God's yeah. love. Uh, I'm going to talk about that. Uh, there'll be a drive-up opportunity to, if you want to drive up and pick up a meal. Yeah. Uh, we'll be preparing those at the little church, yeah. at the youth house. Yeah. Block. If you want to help or if you just want food, contact yeah. Watson's Either Chapel. Way. It's 423-something-something-something-5459, something like that. I, I never can remember it. But uh, just type in Matt uh, Watson's Chapel, Madisonville. You'll see the number. I think it's 442-5459, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Let me say this clearly. 423-442-5459. Call us. You want food? You have to be local. So if you live in like Florida, just don't. If you want to call and say what's up, that's cool. Our secretary, she'd love that. Um, you know, pray for. I don't know. What's up to our homies in Washington State? Yeah, everybody, and we've you had getting turkey. Listen, like uh, uh, we've had uh, a few few consistent listeners in Germany. Don't know how to say hey. They probably speak English. I would yeah. assume if they yeah. keep listening, yeah. but uh, we can't give you meals. And if we mailed it, it would be terrible. Um, so uh, just pray for us that this would just have an impact on our area, and we'll pray for you. Um, and, and we'll do that right now. Josh, you want to pray for our listeners? Absolutely. Sweet. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for uh, this platform, and thank you for 
everybody that listens to this, and Lord, I just ask that you have a hand in their lives and uh, be with all of those that are out there. We're coming into harder seasons, Lord, um, with the with all the holidays coming up and the 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 past of having uh, lost loved ones or maybe at a hard time. We just uplift all the listeners to you that at this time that that are going through those things, Lord. And uh, be with us as we continue on. Help us to prepare our hearts and our minds for, for when we sit down to, to discuss your word and to, to make sure that we are mindful of all those that are listening. And, Lord, we just I encourage that if there's any of those listeners out there that have questions or uh, want to reach out to us, that they, they make that urge to do it or even to reach out to somebody there locally to them to, if they have any questions or concerns or anything that of of your word or of where they're in their process and learning lord most importantly we thank you for your son in jesus name we pray amen amen, amen. we'll see you guys next week peace out